Hey everyone, this is Danielle Gervino, and I'm the New York-based life and style blogger behind DanielleGervino.com. With a few successful years of blogging under my belt and a background in marketing and design, I'm taking you behind the scenes of the industry and sharing my tips and tricks for growing your brand. We'll chat productivity and design, social media, brand partnerships, growth, and more. I'm dishing out my honest, unfiltered advice and exclusive actionable strategies for monetizing your influence. This is Blogging Unscripted. Hey guys, welcome to episode eight of the Blogging Unscripted podcast. Today we're going to be talking all about strategies for driving traffic to your blog. Um, I know it's kind of been a long time, no chat. We're still going rogue when it comes to a set schedule around here, but I'm really happy to be back recording another episode and um, we're going to get a lot of content in today. I have been so crazed the last few weeks. We are kind of at that age, Joe and I, where everyone is getting married and people are kind of starting to have babies and we literally have like eight weddings this year. So last week kind of kicked it off. I now have my college roommate's baby shower this weekend and then we have another wedding the weekend after and it just keeps going and going and going until October and I am stressed. Stressed but like a happy stress. Uh, Those of you who have gone through this or who are going through it, I'm sure you know what I mean. So we are back on track. I'm trying to kind of get organized, get everything back on schedule, um, plan some content in advance for you. And I know that this has been a highly requested topic for those of you who do still use a blog. So today's focus is going to be all about driving traffic to your blog. We're going to ask and answer some key questions like, is your content engaging? Are you writing the right kind of content to attract traffic to your blog? And after you click publish, are you marketing in the right places and are you doing it consistently? I'll be the first one to say that a few months ago during the holidays, my blog got placed a little bit on the back burner, really kind of for the first time since I started it. It was just kind of a crazy season. Prior to that, I was following a pretty strict two to three post per week schedule. But over the past few months, between picking up new consulting clients and new podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, that schedule has turned into like once a week at best. As you guys know, I preach consistency. And so the fact that I haven't quite been practicing it lately is definitely weighing on me. But we'll save the perfectionism chat for a later episode. I think my biggest worry when I stopped posting on my blog as frequently these past few months was that my monthly page views were going to dive. I mean, that's all of our worries, right? If we're not keeping up with it, traffic's going to go down, nobody's going to be reading, and then what are we working for? And to be honest, that worry first and foremost fed into the fact that less posts meant less people visiting to read new content, which meant less opportunities for me to be marketing my business as a whole. And so I kind of had this like moment of terror where I just felt like everything was going down this black hole and I wasn't going to be able to crawl back out of it. Now, as we all should, I obviously rely on those page views for much more than just a number to put on my media kit. My page views dictate my consulting clients, my preset sales, my social media views, and my follows, my subscribers, and the list goes on and on. So. As I sat down on the 1st of January this year, a few months ago, after kind of neglecting my blog to record all of my stats, 
And then in February, when I sat down to record my stats, and then in March, something really unexpected happened. After posting less, my page views went up. Now, I'm not going to pretend like when I first saw that my page views hadn't taken a dive, I was like, oh yeah, totally expected. I was kind of shocked, but over time, I realized that I had actually successfully done what I had been working my ass off to do since I launched my blog in 2015. I set myself up for a constant revolving door of traffic through a series of pinpointed marketing strategies to keep bringing more and more people to my blog. And pretty much that, in a nutshell, is what we're going to chat all about today. So I think there's something to be said about those of us who still maintain a blog on top of our social media when it comes to our brand. I think more and more we're seeing influencers who rely solely on their Instagram accounts as their main source of income. And I'll tell you, it is not easy to do both socials and a blog. And what's even more difficult here is doing it the right way. When I say the right way, what I basically mean is not just slapping up a 30-word excerpt of your hashtag OOTD and calling it a blog post. I mean planning your content with your readers in mind. I mean going through that full five-step process of brainstorming, drafting, writing, editing, and publishing. I mean taking the time to create beautiful images to support your writing. It's hard work, guys. It's hard work. It really, really is. But today, I want to kind of try and make it a little easier by sharing some of my strategies. So I mentioned briefly earlier that I track my blog growth each month. And in the Facebook group, I'm going to be actually sharing my exact growth tracker. And so make sure to keep an eye out for that. If you're not already a member of our private Facebook group, you can join at bit.ly slash blogging unscripted on FB. I will be sharing all of the resources that I mentioned in every episode will all go in that group. And so it's a private group. It's just for us. It's a great community of people. I think we have like 300 members. So it's kind of like a small community, but I like it that way, honestly. So um, head on over there to see this tracking resource. But to backpedal a little bit, the reason that I do this, the reason that I track my stats each month is because... I think it's really important, especially during those really hard weeks where I'm feeling totally defeated, to be able to look back at the incredible progress that I've made. And so I highly, highly recommend that if you're not already tracking your blog views, your social, your sessions, all that good stuff, which will all be in that resource, start. I'm going to give you a little bit of a look into my first few years and my stats. In my first month of launching my blog, I received a whopping 167 page views. And by the end of that year, I was up to 3,000 page views per month. A year from that time, I had almost tripled that number. And now I'm sitting with a monthly number of page views that my 167 page view self would have thought would take me honestly, like probably 10 years to achieve. So the one thing I'll tell you here is that there is no one click and done when it comes to increasing your blog traffic. I mean, do I wish there was? Of course, life would be easier, but it's not. Blogging is not easy. You always have to be dipping your feet in different pools to market your blog, and you have to be doing this consistently. You will hear me say the word consistently 
a lot throughout all of these episodes because honestly, it is the one thing that you have on your side. If you can do it consistently, you will see steady growth. And that's your goal, right? To see steady growth. I mean, viral fame isn't bad either, but steady growth is what's going to set you up for success over time. So in our episode today, I'm going to walk you through my exact process of every time that I post on my blog and each step that I take after I hit that publish button on a new post. And my hope here is that this is going to give you a little bit of insight into the routine that you should be starting to adopt. And then of course, you could put your own spin on it and so that it makes sense for you. First up, I want to talk about our pre-process. And this is the time when you are sitting down to think about what's worth posting. What am I going to sit here and spend my time writing about so that my readers are going to be inclined to click past that title and actually invest their time in reading? And if you ask me this right here, this pre-process is the most important thing of all because if your content sucks, nobody is reading it. And I know that that's blunt, but plain and simple, guys, it's the truth. So I want to dive into blog content in detail in a later episode because it's so, so important. But for the purposes of kind of staying on track today, what I will say is that number one, formulate your content around your readers. We talked about ideal readers in detail in episode two, where we discussed the six best practices for marketing your blog. And if you know your ideal reader, which hint, hint, you should then you know what type of content that they're going to invest in. This is going to look different for all of us. But for example, I have found that in my style-focused blog posts, my readers love a how-to-style or a two-ways-to-wear type of post rather than a simple outfit roundup. And that brings us to number two. Once you formulate your content, which you know will generate a buzz, you got to get them there in the first place. And that's where a great blog post title comes into play. You have to get creative here, guys. Like no, like what I wore in a week, no spring outfit roundup. You got to push past that and you have to convince your readers that your content is worth investing in before they even get to it. You may have a great post packed with beautiful pictures and great images, but if you have a dud of a blog title, no one's getting past that title to click into your actual content. What I want to ask you to do is hop on over to our Facebook group and check out one of my favorite resources for coming up with a great title. I actually stumbled upon this resource, I think like a year ago on the Buffer blog. Um, Buffer is like a automated scheduling tool for socials and they write a blog and it has some amazing tips that I honestly use religiously all the time. Definitely pop on over to the Blogging Unscripted Facebook group. Check that out. You can visit at bit.ly slash blogging unscripted on FB. Moving on, now that you've got your great content and you've got your engaging title, you're ready to hit publish. Now what? Number one, make sure your post is optimized to appear high in search results before you publish. And yes, I am talking about the dreaded SEO. We're going to dedicate a full episode to this later on because so many of you has, have asked about it. It was a lot of questions for this week were about SEO, and I want to really take the time to dedicate to it. But in short, 
SEO stands for Site Engine Optimization, and it's basically the practice of increasing the quantity and quality of traffic to your website through search engine results. And the way that your post appears in those search results are through certain keywords and practices that you put into play on the back end of your blog post before publishing it. And so this is where my favorite plugin, which I'm sure many of you have heard about called the Yoast SEO plugin comes into play. Now, I did do a quick Google search because I've gotten this question before. The Yoast SEO plugin, it's available for WordPress and it's available for Blogger, but it is not available for Squarespace. And I know those are kind of the three main hosting platforms that most bloggers use. If you're running on Squarespace, unfortunately, you can't utilize this tip, but what you can do is just a simple web search for Squarespace SEO. I did this myself and tons of tips come up on how to optimize your post. So for my WordPress and my blogger users, before hitting publish, what I do is I head to the bottom of my post and I check out my Yoast SEO score. And so basically what the score does is it will appear in red, orange, or green, kind of like a traffic light to let you know how optimized your post is, or in other words, how high the chances are that your post is going to be discovered through an organic search for someone searching on a site like Google or Yahoo or Bing. And if Yoast scores my post as green, I have like a little green smiley face, I know I'm good to go. This is a step when I'm publishing my posts that I never skip because organic traffic is such an important part of your blog traffic. And if you're not yet familiar with the Yoast SEO plugin, it's really user-friendly. It's not like this scary, crazy plugin that you're going to install and then be like, well, how the hell do I use this? It's easy to figure out, but I highly, highly recommend it because with a few really simple prompted commands, it does all of the backend SEO work for you in increasing your chances of your post being seen in the search results. Moving on, step number two for driving traffic to your blog comes after you hit publish. And this is typically the time where I stick to a schedule and go down this kind of list in my head of how I'm going to market that post fast and furious. So I'm going to go through my marketing strategy here. This past week, I or was it last week? I can't even keep track. It was this week or last week. Recently, I published a post titled Everything you need to know about BBG, which by the way, if you follow along on Instagram and stories, it's a new 12-week workout program that I am doing. I am halfway done. I am dying, but I feel great. So if you're curious, go check out the post. So basically, I, I publish a new post and step number one, I start my list with Instagram. If we think about the publishing platforms we have on Instagram, we have IGTV, we have stories, and we have static posts. And with the exception of IGTV here, we have to exercise all of these publishing channels. Oh, I just heard that all, that New York accent come out and it does not come out often. Usually my British accent comes out before my New York accent comes out. So the reason we have to exercise all of these publishing channels is to market to the people who may not be watching our stories or who catch your stories for the day but may have missed your post. In terms of stories, what I recommend doing is creating a template which you use to market your new blog post. 
Keep this template familiar for your followers so that it becomes something that's recognizable. When I personally see bloggers do this, I'm more kind of apt to recognize, oh, that's a new post that she's sharing and take the extra few seconds to hold down, check out the post title, and then see if it's something I'm interested in reading because it's something familiar. You can use the classic programs like Canva. You can use um, the Unfold app or the Storylux app to create something that looks really nice and something that's visually appealing and something that's going to make your followers stop and read it. If you happen to be doing a Instagram story where you're actually talking to the story instead of static slide, make sure to also use text to share your post title or whatever snippet that you're sharing because way more people than you think are watching those stories without sound. I have kind of made it a habit to put text in all of my stories and while it's repetitive to what I'm saying, it helps for the people who are at work and can't turn their volume up Or for the people who are in bed with their husband who's watching his favorite show and they can't crank the volume up and so they're clicking through but they still want to see what's going on. So use that text. Also think about getting creative here with bringing your readers to your post in the first place. Chances are that a good percentage of your Instagram followers aren't in fact following your blog. I've done a lot of little questionnaires um, or polls on Instagram to say, did you check out this blog post or have you been to the blog lately or do you read the blog? And so many of them are just social media based. So have that in the back of your head. These followers, they're used to a more fast paced, visual, clickbait-esque experience. And so give the people what they want in order to bring them over to your actual blog. I wrote a few months ago a post about two ways to wear leopard. And the post title for my blog readers was something my blog readers love and engage with, two ways to wear. So it was two ways to wear leopard. That was my title. But I knew I had to give my Instagram followers a little bit more clickbait in order to get them there. And so instead of putting the title, I hooked them with why I swore I would never wear leopard. And I think in that kind of situation, people are more apt to say, oh, like, I'm curious. I want to see and click on it. You have about two seconds, literally two seconds on Instagram to grab somebody's attention. And so use that time wisely with something that they'll stop for. Now, on the flip side, for your followers who aren't seeing your stories, use your static posts on Instagram to let your followers know about new posts too. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll post a picture from the actual post. So two ways to wear leopard. I would post the photos that I used in the actual blog post. And you can dedicate the whole caption to the post. Other times, I'll simply make a quick mention. It's all about what your followers are most responsive to. And guys, you have to test this out. We talked a little bit about captions in an earlier episode, and you have to really test out all different types of captions and test out all different types of call to actions and see what they respond most to. And again, this is going to look different for everyone. If you're posting consistently enough on your blog, it's also a great idea at the end of the week to do some form of a post roundup. It could be like an ICYMI in case you missed it, or here's what you missed on the blog this week. Just a quick little visual thing where you put up a slideshow of your post so people can see what they miss. There are plenty of people who may have missed that first post announcement first time around. They weren't on stories that day. They missed the post. They didn't check the highlight. Whatever it may be, this is yet another way to put that post in their face 
saying, come over to the blog because there's great stuff that you might have missed. So let's move on to tip number three for driving traffic to your blog with Pinterest. Now, I got a ton of questions this week on stories and I got a few in the Facebook group. I want to hear about Pinterest. How do you drive traffic to your blog with Pinterest? I want to hear everything. What are all the strategies? Again, I'm going to dedicate a whole episode to this because it is there's so many things I have to tell you, but I'm going to go through the most important key points right now. So personally, Pinterest is hands down my biggest traffic driver with 2 million monthly viewers on my Pinterest page. If just 1% of those people were clicking on a single pin that led to a post on my blog, that would account for 20,000 page views right there. Isn't that kind of crazy when you think about it like that? I can't say it enough, guys. Pinterest is a gold mine. I, uh, I feel like this was about a year ago. I released a Pinterest challenge and I want to invite you guys to sign up. It's totally free. It's five days, 30 minutes a day of implementation. It is all delivered right to your inbox. So it's like a, an email challenge and it will give you a major boost in blog traffic. What you can kind of expect from the Pinterest challenge are a series of actionable plans to get your Pinterest redesigned and strategically marketed with your ideal reader in mind. And you can do this all in just 30 minutes or less. So um, if you want to sign up, again, it's totally free. It's something that I created because I felt like I had so much knowledge and I didn't want to keep it all to myself. You can visit bit.ly slash Pinterest ready. Every time I publish a post on my blog, here's how I bring in Pinterest. First things first, I take the set of photos that I've used in my post, and this is usually about four to six pictures, and I pop them into Canva so I can vertically resize them for Pinterest. Pinterest favors vertical pins with a two by three ratio. And so in Canva, this will look like 600 by 900 pixels, or if you're using a higher quality image, it will look like 1000 by 1500 pixels. So just keep those numbers in mind because that's the size you want to create a custom Canva template with that size. No more sharing square Instagram photos right to Pinterest or using your landscape photos as pins. Think vertical always. So I pop my photos into that template so that they're all identically and optimally sized. And then I resave them to be uploaded to Pinterest. So those resized photos are specifically for my Pinterest page. I use a program called Tailwind and Tailwind is a Pinterest scheduling platform that if I had to guess a good number of you have probably heard of. For me, Tailwind is basically a way to set it and forget it. I spend probably about an hour every few weeks setting up all of my pins for the month based on a daily pin schedule where I can dictate how many pins are going to be pinned and at what times of the day. And then Tailwind goes to work and pins everything for me. So again, it's a set it and forget it kind of marketing strategy, which anything that can make our lives easier, right? It's an expense that I choose to write into my blog expenses because it hands down contributes to my income. And so the cost for Tailwind is $10 a month which is billed as $119 annually. I mean, it's not super cheap, but it's an expense, but I don't think I also don't think it's expensive. If you've never heard of Tailwind before, 
you can uh, learn more and try out a month for free and see if it's worth it for you. So if you want to do that, you can visit bit.ly slash tryouttailwind. And from there, you can sign up and you can start using the platform for 30 days free. And again, see if it's your speed, see if it's something that's going to work for you. I think that most of you who give it a try um, and who really utilize your blog and utilize Pinterest in the right way will find that it's a really, really great marketing tool. So my photos are resized. I take all of these resized photos and I pop them into Tailwind and I start dishing them out everywhere I can on Pinterest. I pin them to my blog boards, relevant style or hair boards, whatever the pins are. I pin them to group boards that I'm a part of. And so each individual photo is getting pinned anywhere from three to six times on a a different board. And if you do the math, if I'm pinning six images six times, that's 36 pins right there for a single blog post with 36 opportunities for my 2 million monthly viewers, plus all of the separate viewers who follow my group boards to see one of those 36 images. That's a lot of opportunities. When you're pinning your images, it's also really important to give your Pinterest captions some love. Just like keywords in your blog posts help your posts to be discovered on search engines, keywords in your Pinterest posts help your pins. That was a lot of P's. I felt like I was doing a rhyme to be discovered on Pinterest. Use relevant hashtags. Tag brands that are featured. There I go again with the brands. Making sure that you know your their Pinterest handle ahead of time because the Pinterest handle is not always the same as a brand's Instagram handle. The reason why this is so important, the hashtags and the brand tags, is because brands will repin. For example, I personally get repins from both Lauren Conrad Co. and Urban Outfitters all the time, and each of those pages has 10 plus million monthly viewers. So again, more opportunities to market my blog, more opportunities to drive traffic. And when you think of it that way, if I'm skipping out on using hashtags and brand tags in my Pinterest pins, I'm missing out on a potential 20 million plus monthly people seeing my photos. Stupid, guys. Like we all need to be doing this. So I want to move a little bit away from the Pinterest combo because I could go on for hours and I want to cover tip number four for driving traffic to your blog with Facebook and Twitter. And I'm going to be upfront that I don't give these platforms nearly as much love as I give to Instagram and Pinterest because they're not where the majority of my audience is and that's okay. While it's important to be consistent, I think it's even more important to be consistent in the right places. And so while I will, of course, still share on these platforms, I don't spend as much time as I do on my other ones because people aren't there. And for many of you, this might look different. My goldmine on Pinterest might be your goldmine on Facebook. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Side note, if you're not quite sure where the majority of your website traffic is coming from, there's a really easy way to check. Head over to your Google Analytics page that is connected to your domain and navigate to acquisition, all traffic, and then channels. And from here, you can adjust your time period that you're looking at, whether it's monthly, weekly, over the last three months, etc. And what you'll see is a breakdown of how many users come from social, 
how many users are coming from an organic search, a direct visit, a referral, email marketing. And to narrow it down even further, you can click on social and then Google Analytics will actually show you out of that percentage who's coming from social, who's visiting your blog from a social channel, who's coming from Pinterest, Instagram, Instagram stories, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. It's a really cool tool to have and it's important knowledge to have. To give you an idea of mine, 82% of my social traffic comes from Pinterest, followed by 13% coming from Instagram and Instagram stories and 4% coming from YouTube and then leaving a remaining measly 1% to be split between Facebook and Twitter. To get back on track, if I'm sharing a post on Twitter, I simply use a plugin that auto-tweets my new blog posts as they're published. And yes, this does go against strategically formulating each post based on social network. But again, with less than 1% of my personal traffic coming from Twitter, I leave this be. On Facebook, I take a little bit more time to write a quick blurb about my posts with a teaser and a photo or two. And then I simply link the blog post, hit publish, and then I'm done. And that's how I shared to Facebook and Twitter. So we're going to finish up with our last tip with number five, which is driving traffic to your blog with email marketing. I personally use MailChimp and MailChimp, like ConvertKit, is an email marketing platform and it is where I host all of my subscribers. So when someone subscribes to my blog, they are prompted to select which kind of correspondence they're interested in receiving which MailChimp will automatically filter into groups. So I then have my subscribers who are signed up to be emailed every time a new post is live. I have my subscribers who want to read monthly emails from me, and I have my blogger subscribers who want to hear only blogging-related content. For my subscribers who want to see new posts as soon as they hit the blog, I have something called an RSS feed set up, which is simply a back-end plugin that lets my subscribers receive automatic updates dates every time something is posted. And again, if you have MailChimp, they will walk you through. There are plenty of articles and tutorials, super user-friendly, super easy to set up an RSS feed. Taking it one step further, for my subscribers who receive monthly newsletters, I always take that opportunity to also round up what they may have missed on the blog this month. And it all adds up, guys. If I get 200 clicks on an Instagram story share and another 50 from my mention and Instagram story caption and then 2,000 clicks from the handful of my Pinterest pins I set up for my blog post and 30 clicks between Twitter and Facebook and 20 clicks from MailChimp. It's another 2,400 monthly visitors that I wouldn't have otherwise drove to my blog had I not taken that time to go through that list and market my post. If I had to guess, I would guess that most of you are probably not implementing all of these steps. And so what I recommend is making this post-share checklist a habit and a part of your routine. Come to terms with the fact that you're going to have to put a little more work into it, but that it's going to pay off over time, I promise. I've actually made a checklist for you guys that you could keep handy with all of the steps that I mentioned today and little tips and tricks for each one that you can access and download 
right over in our Facebook group. I have a lot of resources that I'm sharing today in the Facebook group. Um, I'm also going to share two supplemental posts that I think will be really helpful for your process. A, six reasons why no one is reading your blog and B, six elements of a successful blog post. Again, you can find all of these resources that I mentioned today, including the blog growth tracker and tips for coming up with a great post title at bit.ly slash blogging unscripted on FB. I posted today's Q&A super last minute a few days ago. And for that reason, I'm going to do a few questions that were asked and some one-off ones that I've received just over the last few weeks. Um, Remember that if you have questions for upcoming episodes, the best way for me to keep track is right in our Facebook group. I'll usually post the topic thread a week or so if I'm on track before recording an episode and make sure that I either A, weave the questions into the episode or B, answer them as a part of our Q&A. And I've said it enough times, you know where you can find our Facebook group. So first question comes from Sophia and she asks, How do we promote our blog post without blatantly asking people to read it in a caption or stories? We talked about a few ways in which you could share your new post in your caption or on stories. And I think beyond leaving a small snippet or tagline that's going to draw your readers in, you can also use this opportunity to connect with your readers by maybe sharing a little backstory about your post, be it a funny moment or an honest confession. Remember that at the end of the day, promoting your new post is a part of your marketing strategy, but that doesn't mean that you can't simultaneously be making a connection with your readers while you're saying to them, hey, head over to the blog because I actually wrote this for you. Question number two comes from Taylor and she asks, is it better to have a business or a personal account when you're just starting out? I read somewhere that if you don't have a ton of followers yet, there's no point in having a business account because of some Instagram algorithm. So before I answer this question, I want to address the I read somewhere statement because I hear it all the time. With a platform packed with ambiguity like Instagram, we are naturally going to have tons of questions about what's going on behind the scenes, how the algorithm is working. And so I think we're often inclined to seek out tips and take advice that we're given and run with them without really questioning the source. So here is what I will say, and I'm going to say it loud and hear this. Unless you are hearing something officially quoted by Facebook or Instagram, you have to know when to weed out the bullshit. There are so many people out there dishing out false information and in turn, we're bending over backwards to execute these insane strategies that we quote read somewhere or that quote someone mentioned in a Facebook group because they went to a conference and a keynote speaker who has nothing to do with Facebook or Instagram said so. So it's really important for us to take what we hear with a grain of salt And the only reason I just spent two minutes ranting on this is because 80% of the questions that I get start with someone told me or I heard somewhere, followed by some crazy fact about social media. And do not feel bad for asking. I don't blame you for listening to someone. I have listened to so many people, but it's just something I've learned over the years. So I hope that you take that tip with you too. That being said, utilizing a business account versus a personal account is entirely your call, but I would personally recommend a business account because of the statistics that you get access to that you wouldn't otherwise be able to see with a personal account. Okay, our last question comes from Jillian, and she asks, what are some SEO tips outside of Yoast? 
Like I said before, I got a ton of SEO questions and we will absolutely be tackling this more in depth, but I wanted to give you a little something to start with that I actually just discovered not too long ago. So if you visit search.google.com, you can install something called Google Search Console, which is an analytical tool similar to Google Analytics that's going to measure your site's search traffic and performance and help boost your SEO. If you pull up the search analytics report in Google Search Console, what it's going to do is it's going to show you your average position for each of the keywords that you rank for and how many impressions and clicks that they bring you, which is huge. This can be like a great starting point for whether or not you're choosing your keywords correctly. So definitely check out Google Search Console. We are going to wrap here for today's episode. As always, if you still have questions, let me know by sending me a DM on Instagram at Blogging Unscripted or post your question to our running Q&A thread in the Blogging Unscripted Facebook group. If you haven't already, I ask you to please take a minute. If you're listening, if you're getting helpful tips, rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, again, don't forget to come say hi. I met a few new listeners this week, well, virtually met, and it just, it honestly makes my day hearing from you. So come say hi over on Instagram. Make sure to come follow me at Danielle Dravino and at Blogging Unscripted, and I will see you guys for our next episode. Chat soon. <laughs>